Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Here's the deal for all of us. Make sure that in 20 years you still have the same fire, same passion, same life. Because I've, you know, over the 20 years we've been in ministry, I've seen men and women of God with great faith 20 years ago try and redefine what that faith means now. So what they try and do is they try explaining away the things they've yet to see and try and kind of marginalize it. A little bit like when Abraham came to come uh, to that point where he kind of well maybe um, maybe I should uh, I would have a son with Hagar rather than um, uh, Abraham's wife's no, Sarah and uh, maybe maybe it's Hagar. It's a kind of a re-explanation, kind of a, a kind of just a, a, a new way of kind of working it out. And and what happens is that. The experience of our faith in the, the trials of pushing through can often pe- mean that people kind of, kind of water it down a bit. But the great heroes of faith are those who pushed past the 20 years and did 40 years, and they were the nation changers. Yeah. And, and here's, here's the deal, right? You've you, you got to continue to have a fresh spirit to pick it up again. And to go again and to believe God again and to, and to build on what he's built in you. You know, Abraham, he, he, didn't, he got a promise from God and 25 years later, he's still waiting for it. And, and so there are things that you, you've got to push through and, and we're believing. Let's believe God together that in 20 years time, we see nations turned around for the gospel, that, that lives and cities are radically transformed, that the language is changed. Uh, you see, the Spirit of God wants to do something through our lives and, and we must live with the expectancy that God is going to do it today and, and, and not try and, can't try and weaken the promise of it to somehow justify the reason why we haven't yet to see it. Because here's the thing, the Holy Spirit if he is to work something through us, he must work something in us. Yeah. And if he's working something in us, then the transformation must be over us. And there is a transformation of the Holy Spirit happening over us. And it's happening through us. And it's happening in us. And out of that comes a move of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is that, that we want to see the Spirit do something, but we don't want to see the Spirit move in this something. We want the Holy Spirit to move out, but not in. And the Holy Spirit wants to move in us. There is a transforming power of the Holy Spirit as He wants to move through us, but it is the inner working, the greatest miracle is what transforms on the inside that we are able to see a world that is so radically different than we have seen before. That somehow we are no longer diminishing what the word would mean, minimalizing it to the smallness of our own experience, but rather seeing it according to the fullness of the promise of God, understanding that the whole 
Holy Spirit has something so huge, the only way he can get that huge work working through us is if he does something radical in the inside of us. And what happens is that we, we fail to understand that. It's a, by the way, this isn't my message. I'm just preaching something else right now. But I feel the anointing, so I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my Bible out. The Holy Spirit told me to bring my Bible out. I didn't know I did a while, and I do now. So that's not even, where's that Ezra? That's not where we're going. <laughs> I was reading this during the week, and if I get to my message, it's John, um, John 15, and, um, oh, I wonder if I can find it. So, not John 15, but I can find it in John 15. In, uh, <laughs> you can see bold print, you can see how blind I am, can't you? It, uh, John 15, Jesus says in here somewhere, you maybe have to help me, because he goes, um, verse 7, he says, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. We just say it and go, what I ask. But the key is the abiding. You see, the the miracle that God, the Holy Spirit wants to do is the abiding on the inside. Whatever you ask, it will be done for you. Wait a sec. Whatever you ask, there is a much bigger There is a much bigger work that God wants to do. But the hugeness of what the Spirit wants to do through us has to be radically placed on the inside of us. Holy Spirit is doing something new in this house. He's radically shifting the request of our heart that we start asking for things that we didn't dare ask for before. We start speaking of things that we didn't dare speak of before. We start speaking out a faith, a move of the Spirit that before we had minimalized to justify why we weren't walking in. Rather than knowing and speaking with hope, there is a hope that God speaks over us and He wants us to live in the hope of God. You know what happens? Abraham, Abraham, he was, he was there. He was, he was believing God and he's speaking. He spoke over Sarah and he said to Sarah, come on, Sarah, pack up your bags. We're going to go and possess a nation. And so Sarah has to pack up her bags and possess a nation. And he says to her, come on, Sarah, we're going to inherit the, 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 the inheritance. We're going to have so many children. It is go with the, you cannot count them. They will be as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. Come on, Sarah. We're going to believe. And what happens with Sarah is that she comes along with Abraham and she comes along with him. And there she is, but 25 years later, she's still, she's hiding in the tent in the only safe place that she's got when the Holy Spirit actually is speaking out over Abraham and Sarah and speaking out over them. But Sarah is still hiding in the tent because she's, she's minimalizing what God had spoken because somehow she can't deal with it. And so she just hides in the tent, doing all the good things, being the good Christian girl in the tent, just doing the Christian life. But in herself, she's, she's lost what it was that, that was spoken out over her life and she's lost it. And so, and so when God comes along and the Lord speaks to, to Abraham and says, 
um, in one year's time you're going to inherit. When, when God speaks over uh, Sarah these things, what happens is that Sarah then turns and, and she laughs in herself because she, she, she does not believe it anymore. In her heart it has become she's already made it something smaller. But the Holy Spirit wants to do something bigger on the inside of us. Amen. He wants to do something bigger. He wants to do something bigger on the inside of us. He says, Sarah, the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. It's kind of funny how we, we, we try and renegotiate with God what we really did. Which is kind of way, the way that we are with each other. When we pinpoint somebody's um, mistakes, you say, I think you told a lie. I didn't tell a lie. I was just re-explaining it in a way that you didn't understand. <laughs> we, we try and find another way of saying the same thing. Whatever you say about a person, they'll always say, no, that's not me, and then say what is them, which is exactly what you just said, but use different words. We're always trying to... Make it something else. The Holy Spirit wants you to see. He wants you to get the language, the language of believing for a city. The language for believing for a church that's going to grow, that's going to touch, that touch. See, see a church growing is, is hundreds of individual people's lives coming into the house, being touched, changed, radically transformed, healed, set free, marriages restored, loveless, loveless marriages being, being brought back to, to health and, and wholeness, physical bodies that have been broken by sickness and broken by addiction and broken by the sorrow of life and, and the physical depression that literally takes health out of a physical being and utterly restored by the promise and the grace of God. See, see, the Holy Spirit wants us to be, wants us to be ones who, who see and speak the things that God has spoken out. He wants us to abide in Him. See, that the miracle is in the abiding. When you abide in me, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to abide in Him. I just preached the entirely wrong message. I've no idea how to get onto my message now. <laughs> But I, I want to speak about the spirit of grace, the spirit of truth, sorry. I speak about a woman. There was a woman at the well in John's Gospel, chapter 4. And there is a woman at the well drawing water. She brings her water pot to the well. And while she's at the well, Jesus comes along and starts talking to her. Now, this is unusual in its context for the sheer sake of the fact that Jews didn't speak to Samaritans, Jewish men most certainly didn't speak to Jewish women, and Jewish men most certainly did not speak to, sorry, a Samaritan woman, Jewish men most certainly didn't speak to a Samaritan woman who clearly is drawing water at a time when other women are not there, so there's something socially wrong with her lifestyle, that she has to do it on her own. She comes at the heat of the day because she cannot mix with the other ladies because she's made a few lifestyle choices that's made her rather unpopular. They're all afraid she's going to go off with their husbands. And so she has to go on her own. So the whole context 
is this woman, Jesus, asks for water and, and it gets into this conversation and she, he says, look, if you knew the water that I have, you would be asking of me. And this whole thing opens up and, and in the process of this whole discussion, Jesus comes to this point in John's Gospel 4.21 and he said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you are neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I I need you to see this. See, Jesus starts speaking to this woman and, and the woman is distracted in the conversation. She's trying to kind of sidestep it by talking about worship and, and, and the Jews um, worship of Jerusalem, but the Samaritans worship on this mountain. And, and, and Jesus corrects her theology. All right? He corrects her theology. But his correction is a very mute point. It's kind of like, a, it's like look, actually you're wrong. Salvation is of the Jews. But really, that's not really what I want you to know. I, I want you to know something far more amazing than that. I want you to know that there is a day coming when you can worship the Father in spirit and truth. And suddenly this woman, it gets this, gets this extraordinary revelation that here is Jesus. And Jesus has already let her know that he knows her story. Yeah. He's already, re- but he didn't walk away from her at that point. He didn't tut tut her at that point. He didn't judge her at that point. He didn't sort of speak out the law and the truth at that point. He ministered incredible grace. And here, as, she, as Jesus says, you will worship in spirit and truth. This, this woman gets a sudden and an extraordinary revelation. And she discovers that the spirit of truth, this extraordinary worship, as we worship him in spirit and truth, that in this revelation, the truth now, according to the Holy Spirit, is not about the how, it's not about the why, it's not about the where, it's not about the when, it is simply about the who. Yeah. See, Jesus could have, he could have come along and he, and he, he could have spoken the truth. And the truth would have been judgment over her because of her lifestyle, Right? She's had five husbands. I mean, we don't know what happened to them. <laughs> I, ju- I mean, clearly she's clumsy or something. I mean, she's losing them somewhere. I don't know. And the man she's with now is not her. She's probably just given up on marrying them. You know, it's like, and here's a woman who, who's getting through men like they're going out of fashion. Right? 
She's got a, she's got a lifestyle issue. Jesus is not. He's revealing her. But see, if Jesus operated according to truth in the law, Jesus wouldn't have been speaking to her. In fact, if he lived his ministry life on that principle, he would have been a Pharisee. So if we think of truth as being a list of rights and wrongs, of things which are, this is the right way of living. Now here's the truth, right? If you live your life in church, whether you believe in Jesus or not, and you live your life, let's call it a Christian lifestyle. And that is not drinking or not drinking too much. Not going to bed too late, not smoking. (laughs) If you live good Christian life, here is the truth, right? On average, people who go to church all their life live four years longer than people who do not. It is good for your health to go to church, right? Good Christian living extends your lifestyle. It instead extends your life expectancy, so, so we see that living according to the values of Christian life is good for you. But that's not what Jesus is here to proclaim. The, all of those things are good and he brings those truths with him. But the spirit of truth is not about the what, the how, the where, the when or the why. It's about the who. Yeah. And when she hears this, she goes, spirit of truth. I hear that there is a Messiah coming. Jesus says, I am he. And her life at that moment is radically changed. Because suddenly she's begun to discover that the spirit of God is there for her life. To bring a a point of restoration. You see... Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 8, he says, this, he says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far, far from me. Here's the, here's the truth. See, see, how many times do we come to church and we, we worship, but our heart isn't there? We worship, but our heart isn't there. We're missing out on, we're missing out on the most important truth of the Holy Spirit that will radically change your lives. See, the Holy Spirit wants to make you bigger on the inside. He wants to make you, he wants you, he wants you to watch Doctor Who (laughs) until you get in your head that the TARDIS is real. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. We're bigger on the inside. The Holy Spirit wants, wants you to have a bigger insight. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, it's what comes out of them. You see, what comes out of you is what defines you. What comes out of you is what defines you. Not what goes into you, it's what comes out of you. What you say, what you speak, what you minister, what you judge... What you, what you, those things will define you. Jesus says that with the measure that you measured, it shall be measured to you. With the measure, with the things that come out, so those things shall be fed back. Those are the things that define who we are. 
We need to understand what the spirit of truth is because by these things, our life will be radically changed. I haven't convinced you yet. You, I will. All right. See, we spend our lives evaluating what is right and what's correct, what is truth and what is not truth. But Jesus wants us to see who is the truth. John's Gospel, chapter 8. Let's read verse 31. I, I want you to see this. Then Jesus said, To those Jews who believed him. If you abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth. And the truth. Shall make you free. We say that a lot don't we. That's a, that's a famous Christian verse there. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall not make you free. I, I used to think about that for many years. I used to think. I shall know the truth. And the truth shall make me free. What does that truth mean? Well, that must mean the word of God. I'm, I will know the word of God and the word of God will make me free. Well, yes and no. Yes, the word of God brings me to Jesus Christ. But, but there's something more than that. There's something more than just, if I, if I just live according to the word, but not according to the who, then I think I'm missing the point somewhere. You understand me here? Now hang on, before you start burning me at the stake, I'll finish this message and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Here we see, they, verse 33, they answer this, we're Abraham's descendants, we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you shall be made free? Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus said in verse 32, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Verse 30, uh, 36, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He's getting you through. You've got to understand the truth, the spirit of truth is not a list of the law. It is the who who wrote the law. It is the who who brings the life of the truth. Of God's grace. There is a new law written in our hearts, not according to the Old Testament covenant, but according to the grace of God. It has been written into the hearts of man, and the Bible says that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth is the who? Jesus Christ. Now, what that means is this. Everything that we measure our life by, everything that flows out of us in our relationship with others, in our perception of self, is measured according to our evaluations. It's our response systems. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit, he wants us to know not just the information of truth, but the Person of truth. Now, let me explain. Right. 
Truth works on two levels. It works on an informational level and a relational level, right? Here's an informational level. I know, and so does everyone else, James and Laura have four kids, right? We know they've got four kids. They've got these little redheads flying around all over the place, right? Well, red and blonde, right? Strawberry blonde. And so here they are, right? We, I know they've got four kids. We all know they've got four kids. That's information. It's truth, right? It's the truth. Here's relational truth. I know James and Laura. There's a difference. One is an information about them. I know James and Laura. And one is a relationship with them. Knowing James and Laura doesn't just mean I know they've got four kids. It means I know the family. I have friendship and relationship with them. I have uh, time of input and time of, of talking and laughter together and, and hearing their advice and, and sharing thoughts and dreams together and, and speaking out. There is a, we have a bond of, of friendship and relationship that, that feeds into each other, helping to grow the church. That is, that is our friendship, right? That is the spirit of truth. That means that my knowledge of it, it's not just I know they've got four kids, I know they're kids. So if you understand that the spirit of truth, we are not here to just know the truth. The greatest failure of the church is that in speaking to today's community and today's society, although the church is is pretty mute these days, uh, 20 years ago it would be speaking against all sorts of um, moral issues in today's society. And the reason why the church failed is they spoke about what the word of God said without ever giving it context. You can't know truth if you don't know the who is truth. The who changes everything of what the truth means and why. It's no good saying about a lifestyle issue of a person's life. This is is wrong. And I remember watching priests, ministers or whatever years ago standing up trying to defend all kinds of moral issues uh, in the, in, on, on television and, and they just looked like they were missing them. I remember looking as a Christian thinking, I believe what you're saying is true, but I really don't like the what you such like. I think I want to go with the other guy that's, that's wrong because <laughs> you sound so pompous. <laughs> Why did they sound so pompous? Because they were speaking of this high and mighty truth that had no point of context. You can't lay a roadmap of person's liberty, freedom, if you can't help pinpoint where they are and how they get to where they want to be. The spirit of truth is introducing, the spirit is bringing the nature of Jesus Christ. The nature of who Jesus is. Now, I still haven't got to the point I want to get to. I I want you to see this. Like, Look, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. This is a scripture I don't read very often because it's always read at weddings, right? You're not going to have this one at your wedding. eh? I'm just... 
I hope not. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 13, where it's just that it's kind of like deja vu, isn't it? You're not sure whose wedding you're at at, the, at that point when it starts. Reading. And they start reading it, right? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. But here's the thing. If I speak human or angelic languages, but have, do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Utterly pointless. Utterly pointless Christians speaking about what's right and wrong. Bringing judgment. He's utterly pointless. A Christian bringing judgment into an, onto another Christian's life. Speaking utterly pointless, trying to point out, even if you're right, you're really, really wrong <laughs> on every occasion. Yeah. Utterly pointless. Because the Bible says that love is the spirit of truth. We, what does the Bible say? God is love. What do we say that spirit of truth is? Jesus Christ. So we know that spirit of truth is love in action. It is the, it is the action of love is the spirit of truth. And here's what it does. Jesus, the first thing Jesus does when he's speaking to this woman at the well, he's speaking to her. The first thing he does is he lets her know where she's at, but not in a point of judgment, but in a point of recognition. He's not judging her. He's just recognizing. He's just saying, look, this is just where you're at. He He didn't speak condemnation. He didn't speak any kind of word of correction. He didn't try and reason with her behavior. He didn't try and judge why she's managed to have so many husbands. He didn't even want to know the information. He was not interested in her past. He was only interested in the blessing of her future. He only brought to her what was beautiful and true. The spirit of truth always brings the love of God into a person's life. It opens up to them the power of the Holy Spirit that they may see the full meadows of God's grace as it opens up to them. Here, there is a woman and she sees herself and she is not broken by what she sees. She is not destroyed by what she sees but her heart is lifted and she realizes that what she needs is a saviour and she goes and gets a city and says come and see a man who has shown me who I am and here she is not destroyed by it it, but utterly healed and restored the spirit of truth what comes out of you defines you we are here to carry the presence of God if we can see in our lives a different response that we will not have a critical heart Criticism is pride in judgment. It's pride in judgment. The arrogance of supposing that we know better. It destroys, undermines. The whispering and the thoughts, the imaginations, the bubblings of self-centeredness. 
These are not the things that God created us for. He created us for a different kind of spirit. A different kind of spirit that we would carry the very anointing of God. That we would be like the very children of God. John's Gospel 15 says this. But when the helper comes. This is talking of the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And what happens? And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus, he's saying, look, when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, you will fulfill the purpose Of who you're called to be. The spirit of truth. Is not. The lines. Of rights and wrongs. The spirit of truth. Is the love. That restores. Every person's heart. Into the truth. The spirit of truth. And we are here. To be restorers. We are the restorers of hearts of men. We are the ones who God has called to lift up people's lives. Now I want to ask you out of your heart. What is flowing out of you? Have you brought hope into another person? Have you spoken grace into another person's life? Have you given someone a point of blessing? I was in Starbucks a, um, a while ago. I don't go there much anymore. And um, because there are other better coffee shops these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was, but I was in Starbucks and I, I remember and I, they would come in and say, say, good morning, how are you? And I said, I'm, I'm fantastic, how are you? And this woman said, I had no idea. She said, you always say you're fantastic. How is it that your day is always fantastic? And I said, Because it just is. You've got to make up your mind. Your day is going to be fantastic. And you can see her brain fizzing with this response system. And she begins to kind of get this. And she just sort of chuckles a bit and goes off and makes your coffee. You know what? It doesn't matter who you're speaking to. You've got to bring the spirit of truth with you. The presence of the Holy Spirit as you touch and minister to people's lives. There is a hope of the gospel that flows out of you. You were created to bring the spirit of truth, the point of revelation that restores and redeems every person's life. When you open your mouth, you open up the meadows of God's grace and enable people to enter into them. Many people are standing as we interact around the world. They stand on the precipice of their own disaster. They're standing on the very edge of their own heartache. They cannot see a solution. But you, in the simpleness of your love for God and your love for the things of God, as you turn up into their world, you were created to be the mouthpiece of God's love, the spirit of truth that places no judgment, but every opportunity of restoration that they can turn in their lives and walk away from the press of disaster and into the meadows of God's restoration. That is who we're called to be. The Spirit of God wants to do something significant in our lives. He wants us to understand 
Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.